the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Have you ever found yourself in the midst of life and all of its sorrows, finding yourself tired of life? You're not alone, contrary to what you might believe at the moment. Job is tired of life, as we'll see next, here on Abounding Grace. Join us. You know, in the midst of depression, in the midst of deep sorrows, we tend to feel as if we're the only one who's ever experienced it, and we find ourselves all alone. But as we approach Job chapter 10, we realize that that simply is not the case. We find Job tired of life, and there are answers to that dilemma, as we'll see today and tomorrow here on Abounding Grace. Won't you join us? From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. May God humble our hearts as we see this saint of God struggling. But why is Job struggling? Well, we saw in chapter 9 that he believed God was righteous, and he affirms that again here. But if God is righteous, he says, why am I under so much misery. If God is good and has formed me so beautifully, why am I going through such horrible things? Now remember, Job's not complaining here. I don't have any children anymore. and Everything has been stolen. I'm covered in boils and I'm sitting in ashes. No, remember, he already gave all that to the Lord. But... Where is the Lord? Why doesn't the Lord comfort me? I've offered sacrifices to him. I've enjoyed fellowship with him in times past. Verse 7, I I don't think I'm wicked. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm no hypocrite. If I were a hypocrite, I could understand all of this. If I were a wicked man, I could understand because I would say, I freely deserve everything that has happened to me, but I'm not a wicked man. We see in this chapter that Job struggles with one main issue. How do I reconcile my conviction that I know God is righteous and I know that God is good with those sufferings that I'm going through as well as God's silence? I can deal with God taking everything I have. I worshipped him when he did that. Oh, it wasn't pleasant, and it's not pleasant now. But I gave that to him. What I can't deal with is the loss of God's comfortable presence in my life. That's what I can't lose. That's what's unendurable. That's what makes me want to die then live without that. 
In verses 1 and 2, he makes one point. He says, quite frankly, I'm just weary of life. Now, we can't go everywhere Job goes here. He does go too far. But we need to remember, he's speaking while in the weariness of his soul. And to notice, he says, I'll lay my complaint upon myself. So he's not throwing darts at God. He's not so much here complaining against God. But he recognizes at the end of verse 1, I am speaking in the bitterness of my soul. This is not how I would normally talk. I don't want to talk like this. But please understand, my soul is so weighed down with not only what I've gone through, but with God's silence. It feels like he is armed with vengeance against me. I don't understand this. And he says in verse 2, God, don't condemn me. At some level here in the midst of all of this, Job's true character shines forth. Because he recognizes, I'm a sinner, Lord. I must have done something wrong, but don't condemn me. He says, show me where you contend with me. That is a very key insight into the book, to Job's character. Lord, show me what I've done. There may be things about my heart that I don't see, Job says in verses 14 and 15. Now, we need to recognize as Christians that the sins that we do see may not even be the worst sins of our lives. We don't know ourselves nearly as well as we think we do. And Job says, Lord, you're righteous. I've already confessed that. I, I just need to know what I've done. Not so I can defend myself, but so I can repent, so I can be restored to fellowship with you. Because where I am now is just miserable. So in verses 3 through 7, he asks a very, very tearful question. He says, Lord, you've made me. I am indeed your handiwork. But do you despise me? Are you getting anything out of oppressing me? I, I, I don't understand. Verse 4. Do you have the eyes of flesh or do you see as man sees? In other words, Job recognizes, Lord, you see everything. You, you know everything. You know my innermost being. And as David prayed in the Psalms, before I have a thought, O Lord, you know it altogether. So, Lord, on the one hand, you've made me, and I'm your handiwork. So, why are you oppressing me? But on the other hand, you know me. So, there must be things I'm not seeing about myself that you know about. Then in verses 5 and 6, he says, You're not like a man. Your days are infinite, but my days are so short. So, why are you painstakingly searching me? Have you ever been in a dentist chair and thought, ah, you've drilled deep enough. You don't have to go down to my liver. You know, at some level, that's what Job is saying here. Lord, I'm just a man. I know that you 
see things that I don't see, but your drill, your penetrating, searching inquiries are so deep, it feels like you're going deep. It feels like you're going to just wreck me. We need to submit to his searching, though. That's what Job is really struggling with here. Job is struggling with that drill going all the way down. It's like, Lord, I'm not wicked. I'm not a hypocrite. But I can't bear this unless you bear me up. So when the Lord goes to sifting, we just have to yield to his blows and trust in him, beloved. Like Job says in verse 7, who can deliver from your hand? We can't go to the bottle. We can't go to drugs. We can't go to the world's pleasures. It won't do us any good. If God has us in His hand and He's searching us and sifting us or chasing us for our sins or bringing us into other troubles, our wisdom is to simply say, Lord, You're righteous, so do in me what You will. The one thing we have to avoid is turning our suffering and our testings into selfishness and thinking, Lord, why are you doing this to me? It's not fair for you to do this to me. You've got to be very, very careful about this. Because if God was to answer this question, do you really want me to answer this, Gary? Do you really want me to get out my book and show you everything in your life? Do you really want me to show you? Do you want me to open that book up? Job needed to be a little more careful, didn't he? I don't think I want to see. I don't think I can handle it. Oh, how selfishness gets in there and touches the root in us and we think of life only from our own point of view. You know, we can see our spouse suffering with something, and we only think how it makes us feel and how it's going to affect us. We don't want the Lord to show us these things. We have to be careful that we don't ask, Lord, why are you doing this to me? The Lord could say, I can tell you why. Do you remember that sin 10 years ago, 20 years ago? You know, some sins can cast very long shadows in your life, even though you've tried your best to get out from underneath the shadow of that sin. We need to be very careful when we ask God to show us what we've done. So when the Lord goes to sifting us and chasing in us, even if we don't know the particular sin, we don't have to know. Don't forget that, beloved. All we have to know is, Lord, I am sinful, so whatever I need to go through, however deeply you need to penetrate, I'm not wicked, I'm not hypocritical, but do with me what you will. In verses 8 through 13, Job really struggles here and expands his complaint because he's trying to reconcile God's goodness in forming him with his scourges. Perhaps we can feel this a bit as parents when we have to discipline our children. 
You know, it's like I swaddled you as your mother. I nursed you. I changed your diapers. I gave you baths. I held your hand as you took your first steps. And now I've got to whip your little hiney. As parents, that can be a little difficult to bear sometimes. And when they get older, discipline takes different forms, and it's still hard for us. So when we are the ones being scourged, when we're the ones being chastened, are we going to ask, as Job did in verse 8, Lord, you form 18, or, uh, sorry, 8, you formed me with your hands or intimately made me, and now you're destroying me? Or will you say, God, you formed me. Do whatever I need to be who you've called me to be. He says, Lord, remember, you made me as clay. Now here, Job doesn't say, Lord, I'm a strong man. Why are you bringing me so low? No, he says, I'm weak. Why are you humbling me so much in my weakness? I freely admit all I am is dust. Are you going to bring me there again? Is the whole purpose of this to just utterly humble me? He says in verse 10, Have you not poured me out as milk and curled me as, curdled me as cheese? And you know, the idea here is that he's talking about the development of the man's seed and the woman's egg. And how God congels those elements and makes an embryo out of it. He, he takes that watery substance and he solidifies them. And then in verse 11, because our organs are so vulnerable, he clothes us with skin. He gives us bones and muscles to protect those organs. But even beyond this, verse 12, you've animated my bones and my flesh and my organs. You've given me life. The next time you take a look at your lawn, and bear with me with this, or you see plants springing up, just remember, soil has no intrinsic life. You know, we forget this. It baffles me how from dirt, life comes forth. It's like the Lord has given us this living, visible picture of life from dead matter, the earth. And something living comes forth. Job says, that's the way you made me, Lord. From these weak elements, you brought me forth. You gave me life. You formed me. Job maybe knew something of Genesis 2-7, even though it hadn't been written yet. The Lord breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And he says in verse 13, These things you have hid in your heart, and I know this is within you. In other words, Job says, I owe my life to you. Now think about that for a minute, and maybe you'll appreciate Job's struggle just a bit more. Scripture says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God minutely fashioned us in our mother's womb, which is... Of course, one of the reasons abortion is so evil, which also is why we need to do everything we can to strive against it and save lives. 
But Job is not actually dealing with the nobility of the way that we were formed. He's dealing with something a lot more difficult to wrestle with. Since God so carefully formed us, and really every time we look in the mirror, we should praise God. You know, it really is a wonder how dust can live like this. We are dust. We are just a lump of clay. If we were able, although I wouldn't want to, dig up a grave of someone who's been in that hole for quite some time, we would see what we really are, just dust and ashes. We are alive for a while, and then we lie molding in the grave. And Job says, Lord, you brought me out of nothingness into existence, and yet you're scourging me like this. I don't understand. Imagine, maybe you work and you save for something. Maybe it's a beautiful, comfortable chair. You've got a bad back and, you know, it's got that perfect lumbar system that you need. Finally, you save up enough and you bring it home. And the first thing you do is just chop it up with an axe. What? Seems bizarre, doesn't it? But Job says, Lord, you formed me. And I have known your mercy in the past, but now you're just whipping me. You're beating me to smithereens. You see, Job here very likely at some level simply forgot that even if we're not aware of any particular sin, although if we search ourselves a bit more carefully, we might find a reason, that when God chastens us and tries us, we don't have to know, well, I committed this sin back in November 4th, 2003. No, we have committed untold sins we are unaware of. So it's not like, well, I'm a good person, Lord. Why are you chastening me? No, we've sinned against God in multiple ways that we don't know of. And the Lord is going to work in us to try our faith. Those of you who are young and you've grown up in Christian homes some point, God is going to test your faith. You're going to be around friends and other people who are going to be nice people. But they may not be Christians. And so the temptation will be, I can be a nice person, but, you know, I, I, I don't really need to maintain total separation from sin. I, I don't need to be zealous in my faith or committed disciple of Christ, because after all, they're nice people. They're good people. And you know, men, we face this at work. We we realize, wait a minute, if I'm too Christian here, I'm probably going to rock the boat. So I'll just kind of fit in and hopefully everything will go smoothly for me and it'll all be okay. Trust me. If you emit any of your Christianity where you work or among your friends, you will be persecuted sooner or later. Speak up, admit your faith, and lead others to Christ. It is difficult for us to realize that God is, in various ways, going to sift us. He is going to test us. 
Even though we are weak and made out of dust, and he of course knows this, he tells us in Psalm 103, he remembers that we are dust. Because he wants to show us how strong he is. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because at this point, Paul so beautifully exemplifies our sifting. And we've read this before in context to Job, and I can assure you that we will probably return to this once again. But this is a passage of great remedy, beginning in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Because this kind of thinking says... Why isn't God saving me out of all of my scrapes? Or why is it that the Lord is bringing pressure upon me and my family or on my calling? Why won't he just make things easier on me? It would be so nice if I didn't have to feel so bad all the time. If I didn't have to deal with my parents or my children or my finances all the time. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians 12.7. Paul confesses here. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me or to torture me, lest I should be exalted. So, whatever this thing is, Paul says, the Lord gave me a lot of his inspired word, and I was caught up into the third heaven with him, so to keep me humble... He gave me this thorn or this stake in my side. He says in verse 8, this thing I have, I have begged the Lord three times that it might be taken away from me. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Have you ever prayed about anything like that in your life? Maybe it's a problem with your children that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a sin in your own life. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. Take it away. Lord, take it away. Or Lord, at least make it better. And of course, our Lord says here, no. Or as in Job's case, there's no answer. God says, you're just going to stay as you are, Paul. You're just going to stay weak. You're going to continue suffering at least for a while. I'm going to keep reminding you that you are dust because I know if I don't, what's going to happen to you? If I let the pressure off of you, you're going to go back to your prideful ways. You're going to go back to forgetting me. So I'm going to keep you low. Because really, unless I keep you low, you're not going to pray and seek my face. But notice, let's keep reading. He didn't say He didn't just say no. He said, unto me, my grace is sufficient or enough for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Lord Jesus is saying, Paul, it is enough that I am strong. You don't have to be. And you know, that would be a great response to Job here. Job, you don't have to be strong. You don't have to understand what God's doing. His grace is enough. Of course, We're in a different position than Job, aren't we? We have Jesus. We have redemption accomplished. We have his completed word. And the Lord says to us all, my strength is enough. Verse 9, Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There is this weird dynamic in the Christian life, and Job couldn't have known it. That is that God doesn't want us to come to this place where we feel like, you know, the pressure is off. I know that that's hard to hear. I know that we feel like, you know, I've served the Lord my 20 years, my 30 years, my 40 years. Now I get to retire, right? I get discipleship retirement. No. Because usually when we get older, we get sick, our bodies wear down as the Lord really starts humbling us. We have to rely on others. We become less mobile. We have more aches and pains. And yet, we really want to do everything we did before, but we can't do it. How are you going to respond to that? You see, at no stage in our lives does the Lord ever stop working to remind us how weak we are. Why? So that we will rest in His strength. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.